Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friends. I don't say friend, I say friends, because I think we have more than one listener. Uh, I am going to be solo this week. Matt had a family emergency, so please bear with me. I'm sure it's not going to be as great as it usually is. This week, we've had a lot of legal things happening in the Alec Murdoch realm. The first thing we're going to talk about is this amended answer to a complaint, which was filed by Alec Murdoch's attorneys in a lawsuit filed by his insurance company, Nautilus Insurance Company. And this is the insurance company that Alec Murdoch had a policy with that was supposed to pay out the Satterfield family, which we now know he He stole that money, and he's admitted to it in this complaint. But there's some big bombshells in this answer where he says he was lying about the circumstances of the fall and what Ms. Satterfield told him. So let's start off by listening to some of the 911 call, and then we will bring on John Snyder to break this down for us. Do you know if she saw some standing or not? No. No. Where'd she fall from? Uh, from the, she fell going up the steps, up the brick steps. We've always found it a little bit curious that she fell going up the steps. Did she trip? And you don't hear any dogs, and you don't hear any mention of dogs. Okay, is she on the ground or is she up near the top? She's on the ground. She's on the ground. She's on the ground. Is she conscious? Uh, no, not really. Is she awake at all? Yes. Okay. It doesn't seem that she really has the ability at this point to be able to communicate. Knowing if she's conscious is one of the things that the medic needs to know if she's responding at all to you. No. Okay, so she's not responsive at all. Well, I mean, she's mumbling. Okay, so she is somewhat conscious. Um, Is she breathing okay? Yes. Is she bleeding from anywhere? Yes, her head. Okay, are you guys able to control the bleeding? No. Can you put a clean rag or anything on it? I, yeah, I got it. Okay, is she bleeding from, it. like, her face, the back of the head? I've got an ambulance coming. Sir, my name what? Where exactly is she bleeding from on her head? I'm not sure, at the top of her head. Okay. Always struck me that she does appear to be very calm during this call and also seems a little bit distracted. Uh, we also hear from Paul in this next clip. What happened? She just, she just fell back down. Can I get off this phone so I can go down there? Can I have your name and phone number? Are you able to Maggie. bring the phone down by her? What? Are you on a cell phone where you can walk down there I'm and on talk? A cell phone. No. Okay, can you bring it with you so we can ask her some questions about what kind of pain she's having? Hello? Yeah, can, can you ask the patient what kind of pain she's having? Ma'am, she can't talk. In that clip, Paul says she can't talk. And Alec Murdoch originally claims that when he got there, he asked Gloria what happened, and she says that the dogs tripped her up. So there are some questions about his story, just listening to this 911 call. Okay, do you guys know who she is? Yes, yeah, she works for us. Okay, do you know if she's ever had a stroke or anything before? Ma'am, can you stop asking her this question? I already, have them on the way. I already have them on the way. Me asking questions does not slow them down in any way. So the dispatcher brings up, you know, asks if she had ever had a stroke before. Uh, does bring into your mind that maybe there 
could have been some other medical condition that caused this fall. I think this is a good time to bring on John. We are pleased to welcome back John Snyder, former defense attorney, former prosecutor, and legal analyst to discuss some of the latest filings in the Murdoch case. Let's start off with this lawsuit that has been filed by Nautilus Insurance Company, which Alec Murdoch had a policy with, and they are suing to get back the money that they paid out that Alec stole. That's right. This week, we have an answer from Alec Murdoch to the complaint filed by Nautilus. So let's dive in, John. So a long time ago, we, we actually covered the initial Nautilus filing of the lawsuit. And there was an answer filed, but this is now an amended answer. Oh, yeah. I forget. There's been so many court filings in this mess that I, it's hard to keep up. To me, the biggest takeaway from this complaint was where he basically fesses up that he lied about the dogs tripping Gloria Satterfield and says that he he just made the story up to get the money. That's right. And so as a result of that pleading, the interwebs have gone abuzz and a crazy with what the implications of that are, where lawyers are being attacked media personality are being attacked for their positions on it. And and so my goal is to try to explain what's happened and then the best way that that these things can be interpreted that, that don't set everybody's hair on fire. Yeah, I mean, because it, it was a crazy week. Obviously, you have to have sympathy for the Satterfield boys because now they have probably more questions about what happened to their mother. And which version of events are we supposed to believe by Alec Murdoch? Which story should we believe? Was he telling the truth initially, or was he is he now telling the truth? That, that's right. So my overarching theory is Alex now has nothing to lose. He has no mooring to anything other than looking out for himself once again. And so... I believe that he's admitting to insurance fraud in pleadings in an effort to protect his friends, protect his former law firm, and trying to get charged with federal crimes so he can get out of state, out of the state prison system. And so I think over the next, you know, few weeks, we're going to see him taking responsibility for all kinds of things that would be federal crimes not just state crimes. Well, when you listen to the 911 call, though, you don't hear any dogs. You never hear any mention. And his story was that Gloria woke up, confessed about the dogs tripping her up. So to me, I've always had some questions about if that was the actual real version of events. Again, you have no idea what to believe, especially based on all the things we know and We know a lot more than we did when Nautilus first filed the lawsuit. I want to start off by saying I don't see any way that the the true victims in this case, the Satterfields, are going to have to pay back any money. And I don't I don't see where the lawyers who who recovered uh, fees as a part of taking care of the Satterfield boys are going to have to pay back any money. This case was settled. I am sure that in the settlement language, 
there is a release of all claims not known and unknown uh, now and into the future. And so folks that are concerned about whether the Satterfields are going to be re-victimized, I, I don't think that's going to happen. We had reached out to Eric Bland a few weeks ago because we've just had a lot of listener questions about Gloria's body being exhumed. And SLED initially announced that they were doing it, and we just really haven't heard anything. So we asked Eric Bland a few weeks ago what the plans were, and he said that the family didn't feel that it was necessary because they thought it was an accident. I don't know if now, with this new information, if they still feel the same way, or if an exhumation would even do any good. Would would they be able to tell from an exhumation? I I mean, kind of at this point, like, what do we need to know? We have a jury decision that shows Alex is capable of unthinkable crimes. We have vast evidence of his financial crimes. What is there to reason that he couldn't have been a part of or a party to an an unthinkable thing that happened to their mom? And so... There's probably a part of them that's like, it is, it's time for us to move on. It's time for us to heal. And I don't know, you know, there's also the, the forensic issues that I see and people that are in the business of selling their services saying, well, you can tell this or that. And I'm like, you, you, maybe you can or maybe you can't, but it's been a while. Well, to refresh our listeners' memories, there was never an autopsy conducted because the death certificate said natural causes. And so, A lot of these answers we don't have since there was no autopsy. And I have questions as to what information we could gain from an autopsy at this point. No, we can we can pause it. We can besmirch the those that have gone on to the great, great forever. You know, like who pushed her? Well, we don't know. Was it the dogs? Was it any of the human beings that lived in the home? We don't know. We do know that the one the one guy alive that was there regularly, has been now convicted of double homicide, uh, plus a slew of things coming down the pike. So there's really no credible way to know. And so then, then you have to fall back to, you know, okay, the insurance company and Bland were in a room together negotiating a settlement. Everybody there had the information they needed. And so, you know, I think Nautilus's only recourse is to go after Alex specifically for their loss. I'm, I don't, I don't see them going after, you know, the Satterfields or, or Bland. And, and um, I know some people are positing, well, this is, this is Alex's chance to try to get back at Bland. I, I don't think that's successful uh claim and i don't i'm not sure what the benefit of that is i mean alex still has to face judges and juries potentially so the worse he gets the the more things he puts out there uh the worse it gets for him well alex doesn't have any money and satterfields do so there's a possibility that maybe they would try to go after them nautilus sat down and negotiated with them and and release probably every claim in the world that, that they have. And so I just don't see a way for them to try to get over that or around that. 
they were acting in good faith with the people at the table. They knew that Alec was a son of a, you know what? And so they still decided to settle. So that that's on them. And I don't see where they'd be successful. Then there's obviously the PR side of it. And, you know, it's an insurance company. They, they seem to know where to make money. So I, I just, I don't see, I, I don't have any concern for the family in being re-victimized by Nautilus. And I, and so I think it's, unfair to suggest that they would be take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around right so you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to you want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in and you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use rosetta stone it's the most trusted language learning program it's available on desktop it can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Does Nautilus also have some sort of obligation that they're Claims adjusters should have really looked into this more. That's kind of going back to what I'm saying, which is, hey, they had reason to be suspect of every way possible of a claim that originated from this guy charged with double homicide. Even knowing all of that, they still decided it was in their best interest to settle with the family. That, that was a business decision that they made. I don't, I don't think that the court will let them unmake their business decision. Gotcha. Also, looking at this answer, it does seem like Illich is trying to exonerate his buddies, Corey Fleming and Chad Westendorf. Right. And that I thought I found that interesting for him to be. Yeah, you know, he's basically saying these guys didn't know anything about this. Ergo, treat them kindly. That doesn't negate the duties that they had, but I do think he is taking responsibility for everything because he does not have anything to lose. He doesn't have any money and he doesn't have any freedom. So the worst they're going to do to him is put him in jail for more time. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Also this week, we had a hearing in the boating crash accident, and I want to start off refreshing our memory about the ages of these kids when the accident occurred. They were 19, 20 years old, so they're legally adults but not old enough to buy alcohol legally. Correct. So everybody there was no longer a minor under South Carolina law. Everybody there was openly and knowingly consuming alcohol throughout the day, even though they, they were not of a legal age. The lawsuit is based on running the boat into the pilings and Mallory's death and then the, the other injuries. And, and that's been covered Netflix probably has done the best job of kind of 
giving a summary of, of the events around that. Yeah, they actually played some of the Netflix documentary during this hearing in which a lot of the boat crash survivors gave statements. That's right. And, and so then the outstanding issue in the case is Parker's um, convenience stores. And so Parker's is a, is a very large chain. It's, it's you know prominent, probably hundreds of locations now. And Paul bought beer using a valid state license. It was not his, but it was but it was valid. It was in effect. Uh, Paul's physical characteristics lined up with the characteristics of the person whose license it was. Well, Paul is a good bit shorter than Buster, but height is self-reported in South Carolina. So I I've always thought maybe that was not that big of an argument. I, I don't I don't think it's a compelling argument in that you have a redhead, you have a redheaded guy. Redheaded license, it's valid, it's in effect. And under South Carolina law, Parker's did all the things that a establishment that sells alcohol is supposed to do. So that's thing one. Thing two is subsequent to the buying of the alcohol, these adults who were not able to legally possess alcohol bought and drank a bunch of alcohol at a bunch of other places, including parties, including bars in Beaufort, including, you know, where, whatever they had around. If, if it could be drank, it was drank. And so you have intervening causes to Parker's potential tort of selling alcohol to a minor. So Parker's came to court on Wednesday to say, judge, based on the law as it's written in South Carolina, and there's no issue over the facts of how the night went down leading to the death, as a matter of law, we don't have any liability because we did our job under South Carolina law, checkbox one, our alcohol was not the last to touch the lips of the, of the people that, are, that were responsible for the death. Yeah. Therefore, judge, dismiss us from this case. That is the motion that is pending. And and I'm talking to somebody who's seen this stuff. I think they have a very good claim on summary judgment to be out of the case completely. Isn't summary judgment really hard to win? It is difficult to win, but you take the facts in the light most favorable to the, to the non-moving party. So here, Parker's is making the motion. So you assume, you know, you give more credibility, quote unquote, to the facts presented by the families of the, the kids that were on the boat and the kids that were on the boat. OK, you assume there's more credibility in what they allege the facts are. But still, the law is uncontroverted. Like you can't, you can't argue about what the statutes say. And, I, and, and as a result of that. I don't I don't think Parker's is going to have liability. Interesting. So I guess if that does happen, Alec Murdoch would be the only one left, which brings us to the next part, which is Alec Murdoch's attorneys wanting to release some more of his 401k funds to help pay for his defense. 
obviously people are up in arms about this because that is going to dwindle the pool of money that is available to you know potential victims of Alec Murdoch. So that's right. But then, isn't it your constitutional right to pay for defense? You have a right to an attorney. If you can't afford one, one will be provided to you by law. So, Alec is going to get an attorney. It may just not be the guy or gal that he wants. It may be whoever gets assigned to his case by the South Carolina Indigent Defense Organization that handles appellate cases. So, I'm going to side with the people on this one and say, I don't think the funds that he has left as part of the receiver's estate, quote unquote, should be used to fund his appellate defenses. I get it. I understand why people are upset and also understand why people want to be paid for their work. Judge Hall actually said that he understood the spirit of the request and he wasn't offended. Nobody wants to work for free. (laughs) Right. I mean, this is kind of the, the gritty underside of being a lawyer, right? Sometimes as part of the job, you have to walk into a courtroom and ask for something that you know no one's going to like, but legally needs to be asked for. And so these lawyers have an obligation to ask, and the judge has an obligation to hear argument about why, and then the judge has the opportunity to you know, grant or deny the motion. And if there's a legal basis to grant the motion, he will, and he'll uh, he'll put in his decision why he did it. And if if there's if it's discretionary, he may not do it. I think the judge is is maybe giving some cover to the lawyers for asking, but I don't think that indicates whether he's going to pay or not. Do you have a prediction on what he'll do? At this point, there's so many claims of assets. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he'll do. I I would be inclined to not grant it for appellate defense, but maybe grant it for any further cases where he has a, quote, presumption of innocence. Because this case is not appellate. The Bowdoin case, he has not been ordered to pay anything. So that's not appellate. But obviously, he's appealing his murder conviction. So, you know, maybe that would be something. And this, this is not the same judge. This is Judge Hall. But maybe Judge Gurgle would not allow him to use funds for his murder appeal. Is that, That's right. Is that kind of what you're thinking? That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, well, you, you know, at some point you have victims and the victims need to be taken care of and you can't spend all your money saying why you're the victim. <laughs> so I, that's my opinion. Well, there's not going to be a shortage of law work that needs to be done for Alec Murdoch, whether it's paid for by his 401k funds or by the state of South Carolina. That's correct. And and I'm sure at some point he'll be doing some of his own legal work in, in future appellate appellate cases. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm dubious of the court giving him money when he when he is clearly indigent at this point with with all the judgment creditors that he has out there. Hmm. Well, did we miss anything in all of the big legal happenings this week? No, I think I think that covers it. I mean, we've got some there's still plenty more financial crimes to come. Uh, I do think he is. Yeah, my personal theory after reading all this stuff, including the rereading the Nautilus complaint and reading the his response is 
uh, Home Slice is trying to get moved to federal prison because it's a little, might be a little higher standard of living for him. Well, how does that work? If you are convicted federally and you're convicted by the state, which prison do you serve your time? Typically, you would go to federal because if you're in the, quote, federal system, you have to be under the, quote, federal supervision. And so he, he might get credit for time served in South Carolina, but he would be in, in custody and care of the, the federal Department of Corrections. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on and helping us sort through all of these legal issues. Not a problem. I need to give a shout out to Shannon, who did not realize who I was till she heard my voice and was like, oh, my gosh, you're the guy from the podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. I had someone recognize my voice on a plane one time and I was like, what? It was it was very weird. <laughs> so that was my uh, shout out for the week. All right. Well, we will talk soon, I'm sure. All right. Thank Thanks. you so much. Talk to you soon, guys. Thanks, John. All right, bye. Well, that's a wrap. Hopefully, Matt will be back with us next week. If you need to reach out, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcast, or on our website, which is MurdochPodcast.com. And we will talk soon. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport... Then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6000 cash, give us each 3000 we give you this. Uh -huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.